Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Hey guys, welcome back to the CLB podcast. This is your host, Elena. So excited to have you listening to our podcast today. We have a great question for you for this Q&A style episode. We have Justin on with us. Hello, Justin. Hey, Elena. How are you? I am doing good. It's nice to have you back from the United States, not across in Mexico now. Yeah, there you go. We're really excited to hop in for today's question. Um, And I think, you know, you may be able to tie in some of your experience with being stuck over, you know, in Mexico in another country with this question. But today's question is going to be, what are your excuses for why you are not leading? Awesome. Um, so I, I picked this question just so the audience knows, just cause I think it's relevant. I think, oh man, I don't even know where to begin, but You'll go back and listen to the WOW episode from last week by the time this episode comes out. And it talks about our trip over there. I talked about a lot of this stuff. But one of the things is what I was absolutely amazed at is how soft I would be is the word I would use. We are on our children now. And I don't mean soft as in we station of happiness and, and whatever. I just, um, God, I don't know what the term would be. And I'm making a big judgment here, but my, my, I would be saying this, we are giving them the ability to make excuses for not stepping up and leading for not taking ownership, um, for not, um, for not being able to own a mistake or something because it doesn't lead to failure. Like we need to have a generation that's used to failing and it's not everyone, but we do have, um, you know, and I noticed it in, in Mexico, especially you have two very contradictory things going on. You're in a nice resort, which is not normally the way Deborah and I travel because we like seeing the culture. But thank God we did because we, you know, after all the quarantine and isolation, it worked out being there. Um, but um, we give excuses. We don't hold our own children accountable. Um, we want them to succeed. We want them to have everything they ever wanted in life. So I agree we should focus on their strengths 100%. But when raising children, we do need to focus on their weaknesses. It's not, I know I talk about it all the time, but so turn them into superpowers. Yes, that's true with children to an extent, but there has to be the fundamental core values that are in someone so they don't make excuses. So they're always learning. So they have their ears open. It's a hard and some kids are rebellious. I'm a rebellious kid. I have trouble listening. I have trouble not taking my own path. I probably look like trouble to most people. I 
you know, didn't really need to do much work if I paid attention in class. I didn't really need to read the books because I could absorb the information so quickly. So like different things that we look as disruptive or dysfunctional, um, we should actually be, those are the things that we're encouraging. So when I say, yes, we want to work on their weaknesses, but sometimes those weaknesses are their strengths. Um, and so I don't think we do a good job at that either. And we then turn something that could be a strength into their excuse for not being a superhero. Oh, he has AHAD, ADD. Okay, I agree with those things. I'm not a psychologist or a clinic. I understand the term. But I also know as an entrepreneur, and I also know doing this for 24 years, that you can turn those skills or whatever you want to call it into a superpower. It's the differences that make us better. It's the differences that makes the team succeed, not the similarities. Can they work together, but can their differences be their superpowers for them to succeed? So I would say that if you're a parent and everyone's going to be like, Justin, you're not a parent, you're a step-parent, so what the hell are you talking about? I'm just going to say it. I've been a coach and a person, but I am not a parent, so a grain of salt for sure. But what I am saying is, um, in my experience of raising humans or coaching humans or two stepdaughters, is that accountability and discipline, um, not only, I'm not talking about disciplining a child, I'm like, I'm like talking about teaching discipline, kicking a soccer ball against the wall all the time, um, doing your homework, eating dinner at the same time, developing those disciplines in life so there's freedom to do other things. Like if you have a controlled schedule, the free time is really truly free. And so we get rid of the excuses for our children when we do things like that. We should want our children not to have excuses. But yet I watched it a lot, particularly in Mexico, particularly Americans, just to because I'm observant. We make a lot of excuses for our children why they don't achieve something, why they can't do something. Like we don't say, oh, you're shy. We're on vacation. It's safe here. You should go ask for your own drink. You know, I get it. They're shy. I get it. It could be traumatic. We don't want to hurt them, but we need to figure out safe ways to help children not get accustomed to making excuses. And they learn the behavior when we make constant excuses for them. Um, you know, so, you know, one of the things I've always loved about Deborah and really respected about her and the way she raised Maddie and Zoe is that. Um, is truth, it's honesty, it doesn't matter what it is. And, you know, we don't discuss everything in graphic detail, but we do have an honest conversation. And whether it's short or long depends on the questions that the kids have, but we're still the parent and we get to answer it. But we do not live in making an excuse for someone else's behavior. We don't make an excuse for our own behavior and we don't make an excuse for the kid's behavior. And, and I'll say perfectly honest, Deborah and I have had fights. They've been probably not in the best time around Zoe or Maddie. And I have to apologize. This is not what I am in a man. I acted poorly. I hope that you don't want men like example that I've led. There should be no excuses for my behavior, right? 
I'm not being crazy. I'm not being whatever. But sometimes as men, we can be loud and overly aggressive and and we don't realize that we're big humans compared to a woman. And I don't, I'm not talking about intimidating or hurting anyone. That's not what I'm saying or the example I'm talking about because everyone's going to jump all over the place on me. But what I am talking about is that I can get angry and sometimes I don't handle that anger well. I say something I shouldn't say. I get frustrated and walk out of the house and without saying, let's talk about this later or at a certain time when I can have more composure. Those are the things that I work on that I feel could be better. And there's probably things I model to them that they just learned that I don't have to work on that are just there. But that is one of them for me. So I'm admitting it to the group as a vulnerability and, all, and to be authentic in that, that I'm a very passionate person. I can raise my voice, especially when I'm passionate about something or I feel someone's not hearing me or I'm being interrupted. You know, it's not the right way to handle it. I am working on it. So when I do it or it's an inappropriate time, I have to apologize to everyone that I've done it. There's no excuses for it. It's just, I am a grown adult. I have a brain. I'm very intelligent. I can start to work on the things that make me better. And I can set the example to do that where there's not an excuse for why I do something. Oh, it's just because it is the way I am. Oh, I've just done it for 40 years. That's just really not an acceptable answer, right? So if we're going to keep growing as humans, we need to lead without excuses um, as parents in our work, um, as teachers. Um, we make too many excuses. Um, we do it even subconsciously, and we pass that on, even the way we talk. We make an excuse or we make an excuse for ourselves and we pass on that excuse. So this is really not a long winded one. I'm interested to think what Elena has to say on this, but I think for the most part, if we really, really reflect, we will see that we not only make excuses for ourselves, but we model it for our children. And then we're teaching our we're teaching and conditioning. I want to use the word conditioning, conditioning our children to be excuse solution driven individuals, meaning I don't need to solve a problem, but my excuse is the solution. So the problem never gets solved because the excuse is the solution. So I just, it's a very hard thing. And, and, and let's just take it one step further as before I turn it over to Elena is we have so much in first world countries. Um, we have so much, we have been given so much and we forget what our generations before us, the hardships they had to go through to get to the middle class, to get to the upper class, to get to the upper lower class. Like if we, if we don't, continue somewhat teaching uncomfortability and those hardships, you'll lose your generations. You'll lose your, your middle class or your wealth or whatever. You'll lose it. You're just not instilling what it takes to earn it, let alone hold on to it or make it worth more. So again, even people that have made their money after generation after generation, I've heard people call it castration by inheritance. You're softening people. 
So why do we do that? Because as humans, we have this ideal that comfortable is success, that comfortable is good, that comfortable is okay. The less we deal with our feelings and the more comfortable we are, the better. You know, I'm not saying to go out there and be emotional, but I would argue we're not emotional enough or passionate enough about the things that we do anymore or about our families or about our causes. We're, we're more passionate about our ego than we are about our causes. Because I can tell you, if you go back to the episode we just recorded on haters, if it's someone else's fault so much you, that you've made, so it's that person's fault, you attack them personally. It's their fault. It's an excuse. And you attack them personally. No, your cause isn't going down because one person believes something. Your cause is going down because you can't articulate in a constructive way and have an argument that's logical with someone and peaceful to, to move your cause forward. So we also blame as an excuse. We teach blame to our children so much. It's unbelievable. And it's weird when we have multiple kids, how we do it too. I can say like the older kid gets away with more than the younger kid, you know? or the opposite. And it's always interesting to me. I don't know why it happens or why parents choose which child or if it's the child or what, but it does generally happen. Generally, what I've seen is always something, one child is more disciplined than the other. That's just the way it is. Maybe one acts out more than the other, but generally I think it's one fits into the family better than the other. And so I really want everyone to think about it based on our last episode and haters and needing to fit into a group and into the no excuses conversation and giving our kids excuses and then wondering why our kids are so awkward or need therapy or whatever, because they don't fit in. I go to therapy, so it's no knocks. But it's, um, it's the excuses. Like it's a very simple fix, you know, to go a long way from generation to generation. And it also really, in my opinion, fix this instant gratification and debt crisis we run into in first world countries right now where we have so much accumulation of debt in the generations and they say they're good savers and whatever else i disagree and agree i think it's just what we consider saving and what we measure is different um so excuses 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 i won that now didn't want to wait you know oh how about earning it you know we don't talk about things like that but we make excuses oh god their teacher, he was just a bad teacher. Okay, maybe true. I would maybe agree with that. But that's not where, what's that where we're going to leave it? What could we do better to teach that kid how to deal with that circumstance, a teacher? Why are we giving them excuses? And I know we're going to talk more based on the last podcast about haters. And the forum could be in a teacher too. Um, but what I am saying is we don't need to give excuses that the teacher is just an idiot or the teacher doesn't know all those things are probably true, but we need to be teaching how you deal with that circumstance, how you get above it and how you win, how you win against an adult or a person in power that is in that situation. What is it that success is measured by just getting a grade and getting out of the class and Oh, thank God it's over a semester later. We don't have to deal with that again. Excuse. Why are we robbing them? And why are we afraid of parents of looking bad to teach the lesson? 
that's the other thing. I'm just like, we're so concerned about being friends with our kids. We allow the excuses for ourselves and for them. We want to be liked by their friends and looked at as the cool parent or the mom that hangs out with all the kids and the cool mom that does things with their daughters. Like, come on, is that really our role? Or is our role to prepare and educate our children so they can be better than we are and lead and survive in the world? Friends don't last. People that like you don't last. And when you die, there's not many people around if you've lasted to 96 years old. So your impact should probably be bigger than what someone thinks about you. Um, and whether or not you go shopping or go to the florist or read a book. Like I get all the purpose in raising kids, but you, there needs to be more than just the basics. And we value parenting. It's the greatest thing ever, especially as a person that doesn't have my own kids. I think it's the greatest thing in the world. I envy it. I respect it. But what we don't, we, we take it for granted because we've been doing it for 150,000 years as homo sapiens. Okay. This is not, you're not special. Everyone parents kids that pass on a generation. It's the people that do more in that parenting that matter and don't fill their kids' heads with excuses or reasons or mediocrity. You know, and when we talk about lasting relationships, since that was the topic in February, which is going to be, I believe this episode comes out March 1st. Um, if you want to build lasting relationships that matter, you're going to want to have the people that disagree with you, that hold you accountable, that hold your feet to the fire. I hate those relationships most of the time, but they're my best friends. I mean, we don't talk like best friends. We don't talk like, oh, Deborah and I got in a fight last night about, you know, she cooked this really bad pasta. One, it would never happen. Deborah cooks great food. It's just an example. Okay. That's just not my relationships. My relationships are about growth. So, talking shit about my wife or my kids, fucking that's not growth. That's just making excuses for me being a loser if I choose to be by talking about that all the time. And I would never talk badly about Deborah or my kids to anyone. I want them to succeed in life and I want them to have confidence and I want them to be able to work through hardship, not have their own parent um, like other parents do and go around talking about their kids or their spouse. Like, it's just like, what? I'm sorry. It doesn't make any sense. So um, the excuses come in a lot of forms. Um, you know, I've heard, oh, I just need an outlet. Oh, she's my best friend. For how long? Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't trust people and you shouldn't open up to people, but your support system, you just, as humans, we need to look at it. Like, where, who is it that you really need to confide in? Is it a friend? Because a friend is someone who should build you forward. If you're looking for someone to confide in or work through your stuff with, there's cheap ways like BetterHelp Network or whatever way that you can find a professional to help you through it. But going to your best friends and stuff for your shit or family problems or whatever, it's not safe. It's not a good environment. It always gets back to people and it doesn't help you build a legacy. And then you just start making excuses for why it happened or why you do it. I confided in them. And then it just tears everyone down, right? So defensiveness is an excuse builder. I'm defensive too sometimes. But um, I think holistically what we're trying to do is we're in a first world country. 
we have internet, we have social media, we have business schools, we have colleges, we have a government that's willing to give away student loans like their water. Um, and in other first world countries, I believe government pays for most of the education. We have a thousand, thousand, thousand things. Yet, when it comes time to lead, we're the last. It's easier for us, particularly as Americans, to set the example to our children where we'll make a scene, we'll get loud, we'll threaten things, we'll be disrespectful. Um, we try to leverage our power and our strength when the whole thing is, is we never had any power or strength to begin with to leverage. But we think that by being American or whatever, or where we are, because we don't have fenced in yards, that we have some bigger thing going on. The world is dealt with way worse than a loud American. Most of the world has fences around their houses because there isn't peace. There isn't law enforcement that has been as successful as ours has in first world countries. So I, I don't know. I think that we should be leading. We have all the opportunity at our fingertips. Um, we should be encouraging kids to not only learn leadership from the past and the present, but lead in an open mind that they are going to have different ideas. They're going to be part of a different generation and the way they make money or make connections is going to be different than ours. And so it's, that's the guidance, you know, it's like, I cannot, it's like how much emphasis someone put on, you know, CDs when I was growing up, there's not a CD left in the world. And I'm talking about compact disc in case I've dated myself. Everyone's like CDs, you need to get them, you need to burn them. And they're not going anywhere. It's the greatest technology. They're so great. Oh, I think in 10 years, Sony came out with a mini disc, you know, maybe less than that. The mini disc led to digital, digital discs which we now know as the iPods. So it's just the world changes too fast um, for us to get caught up in, in weaknesses um, or in superpowers when our kids are young. Um, you want to exploit those superpowers, but you also want to not get so caught up in it that you only think the obvious things are the superpowers. That's my point. It's not that you don't want to help with weaknesses or you don't want them to become well-rounded humans and survive in the world, but you, we need to look at not making excuses. Oh, you weren't really good at that sport anyway, Johnny. Okay. Excuse. I bet that if you tried it, you'd be good at it. Why are you saying that mom? I don't know. Maybe try it. It wasn't like I started playing soccer and I was good. Like I wasn't that I picked it up. I had an interest in it naturally. And I developed a skill. Same with business. I didn't come out knowing work. I just had an interest and I followed my parents around and I mimic stuff. And then I learned and asked questions and shut up enough to listen. But they, my one thing my parents never did for me almost, I would say there were times they made excuses for me, but there was very rare, especially my mom made an excuse for me. And even today at Food Service Partners, if I have an issue or whatever, it's very rare that my parents or my father being still in the business would make an excuse for me. So I'm not saying I'm better than anyone else. I'm just saying that if you want high performing, high functioning humans that go out and make money and not rely on debt their whole life, like have a financial freedom and the liberties that they need to build their legacy, 
I would say it's much better off than a human that comes out with college debt, needs loans to buy a house, needs loans to buy a car, you know, and to take it really full circle, the people that make excuses for themselves, they never go anywhere. And they often hate the people that do go places and why they don't understand that it wasn't luck. It wasn't that they were just born that way. It's just that they learned a different set of skills and their parents instilled in them or a coach or someone instilled in them the ability to continually move forward and not make excuses for bad situations, accept from them for what they are, learn from them and grow and do better next time. So sorry, Elaine, I really went off there, but I don't know what your thoughts are. I think that was all really interesting. That made me stop and really listen in was when you said um, that the first child gets less rules than the second, because that is not <laughs> what happened in my family. My sister is in high school and she gets way more freedom than I ever could have ever even thought to ask for. I would have been laughed at if I asked to do half the things she does. So I was like, that part is flipped for me. But um, I think it's really interesting hearing your take on things and, and just in your experience, you know, with being a stepfather, being a coach to children and pouring into the lives of the next generation. I think there's really no job, you know, more important than that, whether you are a parent yourself or, you know, you work with kids or you're a teacher, a coach or whatever it might be for each person. Um, I really think bringing up a new generation of not only just leaders, but just, you know, good people and really pouring in and showing them and bringing out the best in them. Like you were saying how parents, you know, tend to make excuses for their kids and that ends up making their lives a lot harder. And so really just listening in as a soon to be first time parent, I mean, besides my dogs who I do classify as my children, um, but soon to be, you know, first time parent, just listening in to some of the experiences you've had was really helpful. And, um, I really, I really appreciated this episode. And I think that anyone, you know, who listens in will be able to, to take away some of the same, some of the th same things from this episode. And we do weird things as parents, don't get me wrong. And we fall mainstream and like, there's things I don't understand. Like, but like, if we instill an excuse in a human it's the easy road. I don't know how else to, to say it, but once we instill that in someone, we aren't born that way. Once we instill that excuse, it's very hard to, to reverse them out, you know? And just because we've done it or we made excuses and we think it's the right thing to do, I don't, I think we really need to think about what is the implications to our children and growing and functioning and, and excelling in the world. You know, so um, people avoid the hard jobs. You know, there's two things that happen in an uh, economy like ours or a country like ours as we grow. We start losing the lower end jobs unless we allow immigration in um, to fill the jobs. But we also lose the higher end, super skilled jobs like doctors and scientists because it's both spectrums. You have one who's not willing to do the work the manual labor, the blue collar work anymore because they're all educated or they think they're above it. And then we have the, um, we have the other side of it, which is um, that there's too much work and too much education 
to go to school for that long. Uh, so we're not going to be a doctor or a scientist mm-hmm. or a philosopher or whatever, a thinker. And so the lack of effort, the lack of ability because of excuses costs us on both sides of the spectrum. It costs us the wheels and the blue collar workers that make our economies work and give us tangible goods, not just service. So if we ever had a problem or we ever went to war, we still have factories. It's pretty important. I'm not saying that that will happen, but there's a lot of things that I said wouldn't have happened that have happened over the last few years. So, um, but it's also, we lose the hard work and the work ethic to complete a long-term education on the other side. So that's the problem that we run into with making excuses. No longer have a domestic population um, or group that's growing. You're sort of stagnant in the middle class or eventually in the class if everyone else rises up. And so um, your upper class become, you know, immigrant groups that fill the bottom part and the top part of the equation. They come in skilled or they come in and get education here and continue on to be doctors because in their country, there is no hope. This is the best opportunity they have. So they get that working hard or 20 hours a day has to be done because their children deserve a better way of life or they deserve a better way of life or they need to send money back home. Whatever it is, their need and their desire is more than ours as a stereotypical American, as a lack of exposure American. We don't, we don't see it the same way we are. The word privileged is right. And while we can call white privilege, and I agree with that too, the overall problem is privilege in general, not just white. So excuses are excuses are excuses. They just become part of the equation once everyone gets stuck in the middle-ish class or the upper class. They have no more reason to keep growing and they have no more fight in the same way. And so we start making excuses for not achieving things versus looking at that we're just, we have no more work ethic or that money weakened us or we're soft. Cause I can't tell you how many people say, oh, I should lose weight. Oh, I should die better. Like, I'm like, oh, and oh, I just can't work so stressful. No, you can, it's your choice. Like we've eliminated the process in the mind that we have a choice. That free will is our choice. That what would happen if there were nothing else but us? Are we going to just like, oh, I just made excuses my whole life and didn't do something about it? Crazy to me. We have choices. We talk about things. We complain about our weight. We complain about our diet. We complain about all those things. They're very easy choices to, to change. And when we do that in front of our kids, great. We've just, we've just created the next generation legacy problem. We've continued the problem. And if it wasn't there before, we've now created an additional legacy problem and excuse why the next generation can't achieve it. And unfortunately, weirdly, we're the only animals in the world. Maybe we help dogs and cats and horses, but, and domesticated animals somewhat, but realistically, we're the only species that the, there's, it's not survival of the fittest. It's just not, we can create mediocrity and it survives from generation to generation to generation to generation. It's okay. And we allow it to go on because mediocrity plays a part. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't know. If I'm someone listening to this podcast, I would probably not want to go that direction. And I would want to really think about the excuses I'm instilling in my children that could last generations. Um, and money is an excuse. Having money and not instilling values becomes an excuse for your children. I don't know why or how, um, because all you want to do is everyone have money and be safe and not suffer. But it's almost like the opposite happens. When you don't instill the core values, you don't put the work ethic behind it. Um, it doesn't, you're almost end up no better than if you had money, if you had money, there's the suffering that goes on. There's no one, I don't know when you don't have purpose because you have money, you suffer just as much as not having any money. And people are going to say, no, it's way different. I agree with you. There's less stress. I agree. But the impact on humanity or the impact on your generations is nevertheless the same. If you don't do anything um, and you have lots of money and you don't do anything and you have no money, the results in your happiness and your joy and your purpose in life are pretty much going to be pointless for both parties. Yes, having money is always better, but not all people think that. And I know plenty of people that have tens of millions of dollars. Maybe they haven't earned it themselves. Um, most of this, most of the time in this case, but they don't have any understanding of a $20 bill like I would, or fuck it for a person in Africa would have what a $20 bill does. And so what is the excuse? We have $20 bills that go a long way in the world. What is our excuse? Why are we not doing more with our children? It's okay. Play the video game. I get it. We should have video games. They should fit in with their kids. Video games give us new skills these days that they're going to need. Cool. What else are we teaching? What else? Are we just like relying on the schools? Oh, excuse. School just doesn't teach you enough. Hello? What are you teaching? Like I've heard, I've literally heard that twice while I was on vacation. Oh my God. What is that school teaching you? No. What are you teaching them? How is that the school's fault? I get it. You send them off to them. But are we now just turning over all the responsibility to the school? Is that the mentality? I pay the school. I pay them the private. It's your responsibility if you go to private school. You know, it's that weird thing that we are doing right now. And we money has privileged us all. And maybe it was white privilege once because of the racism or whatever. But it's going to become money privilege period, because we are, it's our fault, shame on us. We should be able to earn money, keep our generations and still legacies that passed on. Shame on us, but we don't do that. We just don't, we, we, we start losing touch of reality when people have money. We start losing touch of what it took to get there, what our family members had to go through to achieve it, you know? Like I go back tens of thousands of years, we can all, Naples wasn't exactly a free state during the Romans. And as a person from Naples, my family was not accepted as Romans because we weren't from Rome. And so, and Moors and invasions and everything else and in and out of slavery and dealing, digging wells, it took generations upon generations before someone's like, fuck this, I'm getting on a boat and going to America. 
maybe I have some opportunity there to actually build a legacy. And who knows if I don't instill the right core values on to my stepkids or someone else, that whole thing that they came to America for and risked their lives for, for a better way of life dies with me. God, no God. Doesn't matter. God doesn't fix that problem. This is one of those problems we get to do as humans. Those are, you know, so gods, gods, no gods. This is one of the ones that fall on the human lap. We are responsible for doing the right thing and passing on the right thing and making sure the generation has no excuses of why they can't achieve something, why they can't make the world better and why they can't get along with each other. Because the other thing that excuses do, guys, is it builds barriers between groups of people. Because we give excuses for kids why they don't like each other. We unintentionally use excuses to communicate our biases against people. And children can't always dictate whether the person you're being biased someone because it's a personal thing, something that happened to you as a kid, or they should be that way because the person's a different ethnicity. Like we just have to be careful. And in the United States, we live in a lot of places that we're only used to seeing white people or only used to seeing black people. It's just, we're not exposing ourselves. And the excuses of why we're not exposing ourselves um, is another excuse. Like we should be going, COVID's not an excuse. Like I just, I've been now international, I've seen it we can start figuring this out. And even if you want to stay within the United States, there's so many things to expose your kids to. Nashville's different than Atlanta. Go see the cities, expose them to the neighborhoods. I'm not saying put yourself at risk, but risk is relative based on how comfortable you are and how familiar you are and how much confidence you have by putting yourself in those situations before. So you want brave kids and you want kids that are going to lead, you cannot shelter them or helicopter them. They'll never be able to lead. They'll never have the confidence to get out from the shadow of the helicopter on their own. You're just giving them excuses, whether you realize or not, that's an excuse not to lead that we've instilled in them if we helicopter them or we overprotect them. And I know everyone's gonna be like, well, what do you feel about masks and protecting children? vaccine well it's not my choice it's your choice as a family i'm not going to tell you what to do you have to lead your own families but you have to keep in mind whatever decisions you make impact your family and you shouldn't be like oh the government made the choice for me excuse no own your fucking shit you made the decision for your family for you and you should be proud of that I shouldn't go, the government made the choice for me. No, own your choice. What are you going to do as a family? Have you talked about it as a family? What is your stance as a family? What are you going to represent during this time? Because that'll get your family to grow way more than making excuses for them. And maybe it's a first world view or maybe it's a Western view and maybe I'm a free market thinker or a free thinker and most of the world doesn't think this way because most of the world isn't democratic, possibly. But I think innately in humans, no matter where we're from, the thing that is most common amongst us is making sure that our children 
that we invest everything in that is the only thing we truly leave behind, not the money, possibly a legacy, possibly our name if we do really well and lead really well, but mostly our children, that if we all see that and we agree on it, just like we all eat, just like we all need food, water, and shelter, why is it that we fill them across the board, probably 99% of humans with excuses, even in when they're trying to get out of the work, the, the poor areas? You know, we don't we see the, the, the happy stories that get out of poor neighborhoods. We don't see that there's also as much hate and haters holding down poor people, holding down poor people because they're trying to exceed or they're scared or they've had suspicious leaders that they don't believe are really going to help them out of their situation because in 400 years, 500 years, it's never happened. And probably the Italians and the bizarros back in the day, it took till the 1800s before we took a risk of getting out of Italy, other than when we traveled around at war in the Roman army and Italy and whatever. I mean, we were so enslaved and, used to being part of the Roman empire or in part of a city state and part of socialism and then fascism, like really like our, we didn't stand a chance. It took a long time and it took people seeing things differently. And one or two people in this case that met like my grandparents after they were here, cause they were, came over young with their parents, but it took their parents seeing that we need to see it differently. We can no longer build a legacy. We've had 2000 years of just shit. And digging wells and construction at the time was not the business to be in. Now there are bizarros that stayed behind and, and did well. Yep, there's some bizarros that didn't do well, but the bizarros that did well built legacies in a democracy and the bizarros over here that did well built legacies in democracy. And the other bizarros that I knew well that came over, they went to Argentina and Uruguay and countries like that, um, they've done well in those democracies. So, you know, I don't know how you build legacy or how you build a country or how you build a culture without not making excuses. And I believe like this is praised the Jewish culture, they really do well compounding legacy and compounding no excuses and compounding living up to your full potential and it's not a reason to hate them or to be like oh i wish i was jewish like it's a model to learn that if you really concentrated on as a family and you concentrated in your neighborhoods or with the people that you're great friends with um or you find schools for your kids that believe it the compounding effect is way greater and so people are like oh we pay for public schools or public schools great. Yes, I believe public schools should be around and they should be there. They can get great educations in a public school. But if you have means, which I think you should if you want to build a legacy and you shouldn't be taking a loan out to do this. I get it though, if you want to, because you want to invest in your children. But what I am saying is that you should be able to pick if you have the means to get your child into a school that doesn't allow excuses that allows them to be a man or a woman or whatever, starting from day one. And I love public schools and I'm not gonna bash the system, but I will say that it's a general education um, that's very against 
anything uncomfortable. I mean, I know tests and people stress out about it. And we talk about kids stressing out about grades. Um, that's uncomfortable, but it's not the same uncomfort you have in life. Like there's nothing like feeling of the uncomfort of a test. There's nothing at work I deal with. There's nothing really in life that is similar to me stressing out over getting an A on a test. Can't say that there is. Maybe a work project here and there, but not really. So what is it really preparing me for? Okay, it's preparing me for to get the work done. Do I retain the knowledge? Can I pass an exam? But the stress it induces is not, doesn't serve any function in life. Other than are we conditioning ourselves to get things done? Maybe. Is there a different way to do it that could be more productive? Probably. So it's just things like that. Like we kind of do these excuses and, and in doing so and, and being short-sighted, even with the way we educate, it's one class for this and one class and it's very short-sighted. And, you know, what are we trying to do? Or do you work for a school that says, I'm going to take this student, here's the avenues, and this is where they could be as an overall human. Uh, do they have arts? Okay, they're interested in language. What more can I give them to be a well-rounded human? Um, you know, that's all I'm saying. And, you know, do we study the classics anymore, like philosophy in detail, not just like one class. I love how we take one philosophy class and 15 million math classes. Okay, I get fact is important and we need to do math, but we should also be able to think philosophically our way through situations and have core values or morals and ethics. So yes, but it's a matter of how we do it. And then when we're so math-based in school and we wonder why we don't have any morals and ethics or culture deteriorating, um, we can say, oh, it's the school's fault. No, it's our fault as parents. We're on the board, we're on things. We could demand more philosophy classes. We could demand more business classes. But we don't want school to be too hard and we want our kids to fit in because we know what it was like not to fit in and we know what it was like because school is so hard. Great, we've created that school's hard fucking pattern and legacy. How many kids complain about school? It's cool to complain about school. Unbelievable. Greatest opportunity of our lives. If you don't retain the information, then you don't retain it. Believe me, I regret a lot of it. I should have retained way more. But I had bad influences and friends. They probably had bad influences, parents. So even with my parents, I would say positively influenced me and me doing really well in school. There was still a lot of pressure not to do well. There was still a lot of haters that would be really hard or make fun of someone for excelling in class as much as I did. So um, again, I think my parents sometimes could have been really hard on me and made an excuse, but they taught me, okay, it doesn't matter what everyone is. Who cares if you're smart? Like you need to do what's right by you and not make an excuse for, oh, it's okay, I get it. You know, you just want to fit in. I know what that's like, you know, because I have seen that. I have former friends that that's how they treat their kids. And it's no wonder they're former friends because like life got hard. They didn't handle it well, didn't prepare for it, weren't high achievers and their whole family suffered. But you don't have to be that way. Stop making excuses for yourself. Stop teaching excuses to your kids. 
stop making excuses in your relationship with your wife or husband or whatever, girlfriend, boyfriend. Um, and things become a lot different. It's a weird thing, but like, I mean, I intentionally started, what's your excuse for not leading? Meaning we have so much, but it goes beyond that. You know, when I wrote the question, that was my intent. But as I've really thought about it leading up to it, it's more about all of it. Um, where does the excuse come from that we get in the first place not to lead? Well, it starts with our parents. So in our schools and our teachers and our coaches and our leaders and then the people we work for in our businesses. So um, if I really like I could tie down one thing, I know that I say this a lot, but I really thought about this one. If I could tie down one thing that made a person a millionaire or a mega millionaire versus just a normal Joe Schmo, mediocre average, you know, live in your $500,000 square foot house, have four cars, two kids, you know, still loans out there for college for them and maybe the cars and maybe some on the house. Um, and maybe considering more debt to buy a boat as the kids get older, like that individual. The difference is excuses. I don't know what it is, but the difference between having money is the fundamental one. Now, there's a lot of other things in there, and there's a lot of other things people need to work on. This is not a hack. But I will say with 100% confidence that the fundamental difference that makes it from day one, whether your kid's going to be successful or not, it's whether or not they make excuses. And it's whether or not you teach them to. Or you break them of the habit if someone else is teaching them. You want them to be comfortable and have money. Comfortability is comes to humans that are are used to being uncomfortable all the time. There is no comfortable in life. Life throws at you shit all the time. So you might as well get comfortable in the uncomfortable. And so those who are used to dealing with it, pivoting, moving, always growing from it, reacting quickly, they profit from it, their family grows, and they move forward constantly. So, and I'm around some of the best entrepreneurs in the world right now. And the common thing is, is that 20 years later, where all the rest fell that made money and never lasted is you can make money. It's just whether you keep it because excuses, you always find a reason not to do something and finding a reason not to do something can take your money away or your life away or your family away or your relationships away. This is best. Oh, she wasn't paying attention. You weren't paying attention to me. So I started flirting with the girl at work. You weren't paying attention to me. It's an excuse. Right? Like, how many people say that stupid shit? Like, hello, no, you're a fucking idiot. You just didn't talk to the person and couldn't have a reasonable conversation with another human you're in a relationship that you wanted more attention. So instead of being in a vulnerable position of asking for more attention, which is the easiest thing to do, you went and started flirting with someone else to give you attention because that was the easier path. Right? Just saying. So that's the problem is these excuses, it bleeds bad and it bleeds bad into culture. And I hate to say it, but 
excuses make weak humans and weak humans become very dangerous of being evil humans. And so if we wanted to take it really far, I'm not saying all of them, I'm saying most end up mediocre, not even average, not even trying, mediocre when they're excuse or they, they're driven into excuses, which we have tons of it. But the worst thing that can happen is if we take it too far, something never becomes someone's fault. I can make an excuse for everything. I know Elena dropped this, like we use these terms, like therapy and stuff like that and not well-educated. Um, so I will say this from 12 years of growing myself through therapy and wanting to grow myself as a leader and an entrepreneur and uh, in my relationships so I could continue to grow, which sometimes meant I outgrow them. I will say that a person that's filled with excuses is not becomes or is narcissistic in nature and will in either have narcissistic children or the exact opposite of it. Not all the time, but it's just something to be aware of. And narcissism, if unchecked or that goes on continually, maybe from generation to generation or is taught or God it, in the wrong environment, it can hurt animals. They can hurt other humans. They can become evil or weak people. So like, it's just, something we have to be aware of if you're never responsible for anything there's a pretty strong word that goes along with it and people aren't born narcissistic necessarily maybe there's a tendency maybe nature's provided a little of it as you're born because we're all narcissistic but it's in the nurturing where we learn to either function as part of humanity or we think humanity functions as a part of who we are but I can tell you a lot. We think we all think the same. So we make excuses. The reality is just we don't. Not every human thinks that the world should revolve around them. But there are those humans that exist. And those humans that are in that way are often over-excused. They get too much excuses. There's a difference between encouraging your kid and happy and rainbows. I believe in all of it. And um, and painting everything to be positive, you can still do that without making excuses. So I think both can exist. Deborah's done it the whole time. No excuses. We don't live in those. But we also um, try to handle everything with positivity and as another fucking growing opportunity. So we have fun with it somewhat. We can laugh at ourselves now. Um, but as a family, you know, you can see we grow and you can see that Zoe and John, our future son-in-law, are both been in our house for about four years. Uh, John around us, maybe two and a half years, three years. And Zoe since whenever. But from the day one that I was involved with Zoe in sports, it's always been about her growth and not making an excuse. Okay, you didn't get it today. You need to get it tomorrow. I wasn't feeling well today. So what, what if you're not feeling well the day of the competition, right? Maybe I'm a harder person, but if you want your child to succeed, they're gonna have to get used to every uncomfort of every situation. So when they come, they're as cool as a cucumber. They're as confident as can be when someone comes after them. They're as cool as can be when someone challenges them. 
And that's more than me. That's more than I've got the skills to do, to be calm, to have confidence, to still feel my feelings and have the composure to execute on a soccer field as a sport. Sure. As business, 95% of the time. But I don't use excuses and I don't make excuses for myself or anyone around me. And people that work for me have a problem because I don't allow excuses either. What, you shouldn't have an excuse. You get in a car every day and drive to work. You get a good paycheck. You have two healthy kids. You have a healthy, beautiful wife. What are you complaining? Your wife didn't make your cereal hot enough this morning, so you're in a bad mood. I don't understand that's your excuse for not being a leader today. But everyone has it. Someone cut me off at work. You know, oh, I can't believe how late I was because of this guy. Oh, you're probably late already because of yourself. We excuse it and then we blame other people. And it's just, you know, maybe someone will, hopefully this doesn't happen, but you listen to this podcast 200 years from now we're going to see that making excuses was a big part of the downfall of some civilizations after this, if we, if they, if we don't correct it. So, and if you don't, if you don't believe me, just look at the Roman empire and look at the privilege that the Romans had versus all of their citizens. And when they kept trying to equal it out and give the rights to everyone, what would happen? So it's just one of those things where um, privilege and the actual feeling of privilege, okay? There's the government can give us privilege, money can give us privilege, the color of our skin can give us privilege if we're talking about white privilege. Um, but this privilege that I'm talking about is, is way above that. It transcends all of it. And it's that we in first world countries or in particularly as Americans, um, we try to protect our children from feeling anything or having an emotional bad day or being uncomfortable and we make excuses for them. And when they go compete in the world internationally, it doesn't matter if they have a better education, it doesn't matter a lot if they come from a better school, if they can't hold a match to someone and taking responsibility for their actions um, and getting things done quickly, um, without excuses because the opposite of not having excuses, I take ownership and not only do I do something, but I take it as my personal responsibility to improve it. So in the world market, 7.9 billion humans competing for jobs, running out of food, where food jobs and other jobs are gonna keep coming more important. It's gonna be the cream of the crop and the cream of the crop from day one it's going to be whether or not they can complete a job without finding an excuse not to. But college, no college, it's a generational thing and it keeps getting worse. My generation, it's bad. So I don't work with most people my generation. But the generation below us that has more technology at your fingertips, that should be more woke up. We're filling their head with more excuses. You know, so, I mean, if I had a cell phone and the dinner bell rang, there would be no fucking excuse why I wasn't home for dinner, right? Maybe I couldn't hear it if I didn't have a cell phone back in the day. My mom rang it on a 20-acre farm. But even then, I was home on time for dinner. 
So when you have a cell phone as a kid and you can't be home at time for dinner or you have a car, it's just like, it's an unbelievable thing to me. Yet we excuse, oh, how was your day? Oh, no big deal. Oh, you just kept all of us waiting for 25 minutes. The food's cold. We're okay with this because Sally decided to stay and talk to her friends for an hour and a half. Like it's that type of stuff. And like we grew up with families like that with the other kids. I'm around families like it now. It's just what I've seen in my lifetime or as a parent or step parent or friends have raised their children and now they're in their 18s and 20s. Some of them even older than that, um, 30s, depending on how old they became friends. Um, it really, the, the, the quality of life, the peace of mind, um, all has to do with the excuses and it goes counterintuitive to humans. We want our kids to be more comfortable and have more success and take the easy jobs. But really what it does is it leads to unhappiness. I mean, look, I mean, who is, who's the knight riding in the white horse anymore as a male? Oh, I'm not in shape. I have too much work to do. My job's too important. Like go be the champion for your women. Like go be the the man go work out look halfway decent like i don't understand it but you know we make excuses you want to live a good life you want to have romance you want your wife to like you go fucking work out sorry i know everyone's like oh i can't and whatever walk do something diet i don't know there's a thousand different things you can do but an excuse of not doing anything is just unbelievable to me you want a better relationship Guess what? It starts with confidence and it starts with you and taking care of yourself. And when you become a better human, she will become more attractive to you, period. You have to do the work. But we make excuses again. Oh, you're just not good at soccer. Well, we don't know that he didn't actually train. As an example, why are we shortcutting that kid? Watch the movie with Will Smith about the Serena, Serena and Venus Williams, the, the sisters. I think it's a good movie for the audience. And I went on way more, but there was never an excuse allowed, whether it was playing in the rain, whether it was a broken racket, whether it was they weren't going to play in a championship, whether they were going to go to practice, no excuses, no whatever, pushback. This is why we're doing it. You have to believe in it. And you should be able to do that with your same family. Your family should see the discipline in your words. They should see that you're trying to protect them and not trying to fit in because like, come on, we don't trust parents because one, they lie to us about Santa Claus off at day one. Like that's breaking down trust right away, which is an interesting concept. Okay. We lie to our kids from day one and then wonder why they don't trust us in their teenage years after we let the fucking can out that they, there's no Santa Claus, Easter bunny, leprechauns, tooth fairies, you know, Cupid, whatever else we created in the mess. Oh, but by the way, God exists. Confusing? Yes. So like, it's just like, I don't know what to do about it, but I got to tell you, and I'm not the expert psychology wise, but I will say that the excuses thing is a big deal. And I will say that if you're going to build trust, and your child and you want a trusting leadership mentoring relationship, you probably shouldn't lie to your kids, especially on a big scale. And I know that's hard for everyone to hear. 
And I'm not saying that you keep in your religion and, and what it is you believe in your culture that you shouldn't do that. But I am saying the things that were eventually they're going to find out it's going to be a lie or why did we do that? You probably shouldn't do that. And that's just my judgment. Everyone's going to argue with me about a child being creative and having a creative mind. I 100% agree in the concept and the idea. My problem is, is how do you take, you're asking someone to trust you, you're building trust as a parent, knowing you're going to break it. It just leads down the road. Oh, that's what every other parent did. Excuse. I just wanted you to fit in with the other kids. I didn't want you to break the other kids bubble. I didn't want you to go telling them there wasn't Santa Claus. Okay. I'm not making the argument of whether you should or shouldn't, but I'm just telling you that whether we realize it or not, that fundamental part in life that we've added in over the last hundred years, because all these characters have only been really truly in our lives the last hundred years, we basically have created a dishonest relationship with our children from day one. So how do we excuses? We're living on. So we justify doing weird shit like that. And I don't know why, but it's an excuse because it doesn't make much logical sense. If in the long run, we're not going to worship Santa Claus or he's not a religious idol or he doesn't teach us any values other than steal our cookies and deliver us presents and give to us unconditionally. It's supposed to be about whether we're naughty or nice, but everyone knows you get presents no matter what. So I just really, it's awful for me to say, and I probably, everyone's going to be so pissed at me because I attacked Santa Claus. <laughs> what I am saying is you really need to think about what is the honesty and the tips you're having with kids and the excuses we're giving. So sorry about that, Elena. I went along a long time. No, that's all right. I think, you know, that all these points are really interesting and we could even divide some of these up in the future depending on what the audience has to share into some subtopics and, and really um, do some more research for these. But thank you for sharing all of that and all of the insight and experiences and research that you've done. It's definitely, definitely interesting. Well, and I will say, obviously, but I, if I had kids, I would, I wouldn't know what to do about the Santa Claus thing. Mm -hmm. It's a tough for me because I feel like it's something, it's tradition, kids do it. I don't, I know if there's a Jewish um, child or a Muslim child or a Hindu child that they don't celebrate Christmas or Santa Claus anyway. So they see it differently now as we've gotten more diverse, but I'm merely bringing it up as a topic. Yeah. Because we're really trying to get our kids to succeed. How do we do it and to be leaders and entrepreneurs and successful? How do we really, really do it better than we're already doing it? And for me, it started with excuses and then it sort of litters into all the things we do that enable the behavior. So I would like to talk about it more and spill into other topics, but I do want to apologize to anyone I may have hurt or I aroused emotions in. Um, believe me, I love Santa Claus. I love the family moments of waking up every morning to it. It just, I say from my own personal experience, I figured it out on my own logically as a kid. Um, I don't know how, but it all sort of, all of them fell apart at once. 
like it just deconstructed and I asked my parents about it and they were honest with me. And when I asked about why they, they told me that they very clearly told me why and the kids and, you know, the belief and why they felt it was important. So, you know, I see that, but it also left me with, why would you tell me that for four years, if it wasn't true or five years, like it left me with more than that. And, um, I may be more conscious or aware of it than others, but I've got to imagine that it's one of those hard things that as a kid, it is shocking that someone would tell you that. And not to mention, it's like a whole like hoax that everyone does. So my last point is this. If we wonder why we blanketly as groups believe in ideals that aren't true or myths or just simply agree to do something that we is probably bad for the population, but we do it anyway. We should look at the very first thing we do as kids. We all blanketly get them to agree and do something and and do whatever. And believe me, Christianity, Christmas, agree. Okay, Santa Claus popping into the picture like it's a little bit like, huh? If you really think about it. But what I am saying is. What is logical? What is it that we're trying to teach with Santa Claus or someone? And what is it that we're trying to, to actually build for the future? Because if we're like, oh, let's teach our kids to be gullible and believe things blanketly because of a group of people that are parents and authoritative figures say that Santa Claus exists and everyone, the teachers, buys into the game until we're all eight or whatever, when we all decide as a parent group that we're going to let them all know. It's a whole other thing. It's no wonder that we become so submissive to governments or so submissive to group think or so submissive to peer groups. Why? We instilled it from day one. Like it's just right there, you know? So of course we would blindly believe authoritative figures and people that of power that, that do that. It's been built into us from day one from the Santa Clauses and the Easter bunnies and the tooth fairies. And while it's fun and it's cool, um, what is the greater purpose? So the memories, okay. But I really just, I hate to say it, but it's just something we actually really need to think about because whether we intended it or not, I think it starts with the excuses and I think it starts with those type of relationships we've built with our children from day one. And so, for example, it's a lot easier for a poor kid to figure out that Santa Claus doesn't exist and that whatever, why he made parents may tell him, but Santa Claus ain't delivering presents. Yeah, so. I think that we might have to put a label on this. Do not listen in the car with your kids, or you're going to have a lot of angry parents knocking on your doorstep. I know. I will put it in the title. I will Do put it in the title. Do not listen with your kids. I'm going to anger the whole world on this one. I'm well aware of it, but I just feel, I don't have an answer. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just saying it brought into a lot of question as I dove in and dove into this um in these weird topics that we avoid as humans because they're cultural norms and the cultural norms have really big impact if we go back and study roman empires or any civilization that's been great 
these cultural norms that are counterintuitive to building the next generations are often the things that are the systemic problems that lead to the downfall of a country. And in this case, it's excuses, privileges, and um, if you're not held accountable and you're not honest, it's easy to be dishonest and use excuses um, as dishonesty also and not truth, which is I could do something, I'm just making an excuse not to do it, which is dishonest. So sorry, audience, sorry, everyone. Probably gonna lose a bunch of followers and listeners on this one because I blew up the, the thing. But it's um it's important that I feel that we think about it. And I'm not gonna sit here on a moral ground, high ground, and tell everyone what to do. Um, but I do really think that we need to limit excuses, and I do think we need to think about how we build relationships with our children, honesty and in trust and in confidence. Um and yet still allow them to be creative. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not a parent directly. I'm a step parent, but. Well, I think, water- you know, that doesn't discredit, you know, the role that you have for your stepdaughters and the, the role that you, you know, have created for yourself and the, the amount of not pressure, but expectations you set for yourself. So I don't think, you know, it discredits, oh, I'm just a stepfather. I think, you know, that's still a father. And um, I think that's important to note too. So just wanted to put that in there as we wrap up. Thank you guys. Sorry. I went on a long time there, Elena. We're all good. Thanks for listening in guys. And you can be sure to follow us over on Instagram and Facebook. Justin, we can also link the email list, sign up in the description below. Thank you.